Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Ah, it's so exciting. It's 2013, January 2nd, episode 115. It's a whole new year. That means we're going to be just a whole year more experienced than we were last year. I don't know what that means. Happy New Year! (laughs) I don't know what that that actually means. Experience kicks in immediately, right? I mean, there's nothing you have to do about it. You just wait till the new year starts and suddenly you're like, there's all this knowledge that just came into my head. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the thing is, we've been doing this for like five years, so we should be really, really good at it, but we're not. Yeah, so no, I don't know what happens. I think it falls out. <laughs> That's going to be our new tagline. Wood Talk Online is like the matrix of woodworking. Yeah. Shink, shink, I know woodworking. There you go. Plug it in. All right. So uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about trouble with honing guides, troubleshooting a water-based finishing problem, and woodshop attire. But before we get to that good stuff, we do have some ad spots that we want to play. A couple good Ooh. friends, real good stuff. So uh, let's play that. Today's show is supported by ArborTech, makers of creative wood shaping tools. Their latest product, the TurboPlane, is the smoothest, fastest, and safest way to freehand shape wood. See it in action at arbortech.com.au and be sure to join their woodworking club for free plans, ideas, and other benefits. Remember to tell them that the Wood Talk guys sent you. And by Microjig, creators of the Gripper 3D Push Block, an American-made precision safety guidance system for the table saw and the wood shop. Visit microjig.com to sign up for their newsletter today. Sweet. Love me some gripper. I was actually doing some stuff with this bed project and I had a few uh, really thin rips to do. And there are just some things that I will never do on my table saw if I didn't have uh, the gripper to to push it through safely. Because otherwise you would probably lose a, a digit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I had the same exact experience on the latest video I put out. And uh, I'm glad to see quite a few other people agree with that, too. So a nice finger-saving device. A nice. Very good. It's so nice. <laughs> hey, you know and what else is really then nice? there's the ArborTech Rockstar. Uh, <laughs> they should seriously just link to that. They probably should. They should probably put that on the packaging, just a picture of me with, uh, with the grinder in my hand. I think that'd be good. Oh, that would be, be <laughs> I'm all for it. That. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. Hey, well, you know what? Let's go do this real quick. Let's tell people how they can get a hold of us because it's a brand new year, but Woo-hoo. nothing else has really changed other than the fact that if you're still writing checks, you need to remember to change that two to a three for your last digit. <laughs> anyway, so if you have comments, questions, uh, maybe a topic suggestion, you have several different ways to contact us. You can leave us a voicemail over at Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. You can call our voicemail line at 623 242 5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Don't forget you can leave us a comment or maybe a question over at our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or any of the downloads from, say, today's show or any of the previous ones from, like, I don't know, last year, which would be 2012, you'll find them at woodtalkshow.com. Sweet. Uh, so with all that out of the way, we should add some more stuff to that. Let's we come should. up with some really funky stuff, like a Morris Code version. The stuff. contact list just is not long enough. There's just not enough ways to get in touch with us. And could, we I could think list contact- our MySpace page. Ooh, that's Ooh good. Yeah. yeah. I think the, you know what, we should get to the we point where we have so page. many ways. Mm. It's all just pictures, though. <laughs> nice. Maybe that it's like hieroglyphics. There you go. But, you know, the contact information, we could get to a point where there's just a show dedicated to that. Every single week, I'll read it in a different order. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> but anyways, though, so what's going on with the uh, with you guys over on the bench? It's still, you know, we've been gone for a couple of weeks, and I imagine mm-hmm. you had so much stuff going on. You are stockpiled with just tons of things that have been happening. So, Shannon, why don't we start with you? What, what, did, what did you have going on during this little break? Uh, well, during the break, I actually did a, an offsite install. 
I did a, a cabinet um, around what's it's technically called the columbarium, but it's where they store people's ashes in the basement Ew. of the church. Uh, <laughs> so it was actually it was kind of cool yet creepy because I, I had a key to the church and I really only could get over there after hours anyway. But I got to tell you. It's creepy down there, man. <laughs> it's like the worst lighting you could ever imagine for woodworking. Uh, and and you, know, you open the door, and I kid you not, the door creaks like ex- exactly like you would expect it to creak. You can open this up, and it's just pitch black in there. And I can never find the light switch. And uh, it, it was fun. It was an interesting experience just doing work outside of my shop without well, we- all of my tools and all of my bench and all my fun work holding and everything. Did um, you uh, was, practice your vocals while you were in there with the good acoustics? I did. Absolutely. That was mostly singing to keep the monsters away. Right. Was, <laughs> did I mention it was creepy down there? It was very creepy. I wonder um, if like when they go to design an area of a building like that, if there's like a, a book off to the side and it's like creepy architectural features for modern buildings. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's an element of it that's quite beautiful because it's really, really old. It's the oldest part of the building and there's incredible carving and everything. But at the same time, when it's dark outside and there's no one else in the building, it's creepy. Yeah, It's very yeah. creepy. <laughs> so that was that was an interesting experience. And then just last night, I started a, a little serving tray thing. Um, serving tray thing? Well, so it's a serving tray. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a serving tray. Yeah. yeah. But it's also a thing. So I, technically, he's right. Just just one of those kind of quick knock-it-out projects. It's actually from my mother-in-law. But uh, I'm doing it entirely on my joinery bench, which is kind of an interesting challenge because I claim that you could do just about anything on that bench. So I figured I should put my money where my mouth is. So it's fun. I've been busy. Cool. Nice. Very nice. How about you, Matthew? Well, the biggest thing for me is I've been, again – uh, you know how we have like those projects that just go on and on and on? Well, the bedside tables are starting to become another one of those projects. <laughs> They're not done yet? Here. Jeez, come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have this done by Christmas. I swear. I'm going to have the, <laughs> I'm gonna have this done by, by Easter. I swear it'll be done by Easter. We can only hope. And it just kind of keeps going on and on. But I really am very close to wrapping this up. But more importantly, we were gone for a few days. And while we were gone, I suddenly got a, a, a Facebook message from Andy Chidwick. And he was saying, you know, hey, I'm on the sawdust tour right now. I'm coming to your neck of the woods and I want to stop in if that's okay. And I said, well, yeah, nobody ever wants to stop into the basement workshop. <laughs> so we got back from our little trip. And sure enough, a few hours later, Andy and his son pulled up and we did a little thing down here in the in the basement workshop. So I I had a visitor and that was really cool. Now, awesome. I don't know if you are you guys familiar at all with the sawdust tour. I think Andy sure. did this last year. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's kind of going around and meeting woodworkers and talking about what's what, you know, stokes your passion and, you know, just kind of introducing, you know, woodworkers all over the place to other woodworkers who maybe haven't aren't familiar with them. And so I'm one of the lucky ones that he's going to, you know, talk with and I'll be appearing in one of the videos very soon. So very cool. that was really cool. Nice. So what, awesome. uh, tell me more about this. I actually don't know much about it. I know Andy, but I, I don't know much about this tour. So is he, he's filming videos and he's going to put them out there on, on his website or something? Yep, it's going to be. He has a, a website just specifically for this. It's the Sawdust Tour dot com. In fact, you know, I should probably bring it up real quick. I, I'm sure I messed it up. We'll have links in the show notes just in case I actually did get that wrong. But it's the Sawdust Tour dot com. And I know that he's already met with, uh, visited with uh, Todd Clippinger. Mm-hmm. There's myself. He's headed to the Baltimore, Maryland area because I know Shannon. You had posted, you know, anybody that'd be in the Baltimore area if they wanted to head to the woodworking show. Uh, yep. He's heading over in that direction. So, cool. um, yeah, he's kind of coming around. And again, just the, the basic idea. Uh, once you get to the website, which 
I can't seem to get there at the moment. I have way too many windows open and I can't figure out where I am. <laughs> uh, but when you get there, yeah, the sawdusttour.com. I'm going there right now. He's got like a little map up of where they're going, when to see them. This is all going to correspond also with where the woodworking shows are going on. I'll just and, assume that you're going to get that link right in the show notes because the sawdusttour.com takes me to a placeholder site. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe hmm. that's. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll find the right one. <laughs> Damn it, Matt. <laughs> well, that's the one he said. Ah, no, the just <laughs> sawdusttour.com. Okay. Cool. Oh, I, I like adding the to everything. It's like www. They should have yeah, well, www. All the cool stuff. sites have the in front of them. Uh, yes, unfortunately, <laughs> they do. <laughs> so, but anyway, so the tour schedule's up there. He's going to be posting videos from each one of the uh, the stops. And again, it's just an opportunity for people to, to meet. Oh, he must be at your place right now. I hear. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Alex is the background greeting him for you. No, that that's not my dog. My dog is dead asleep right now. <laughs> okay. That's, that's my dog. Sorry. Um, okay. Yeah, air conditioning guy. So well, I want to know, Andy, what do you got against the West Coast, dude? Oh, they're all so snippy over there. <laughs> well, it looks like, according to the thing, he might nice. be heading in that direction. So he's following the the wood the woodworking show's tour. So basically, whatever exactly. shows he's doing yeah. there, he'll be visiting those cities. He's catching yep. you on the way back, Mark. Oh, he's sweet. coming through Phoenix. Well, he better stop by. He hasn't emailed me yet. Andy, come on. Call me, dude. Let's talk. Well, one neat little thing that he's doing, and I, I thought this was really cool, and, and this is, and we were joking around about it last night because this was a great way for me to – you ever have like one of those little tools or a big tool that you, you never use, but there's that little bit of guilt on your part that it's like, I, I should use this or maybe I should give this to somebody or, or I should you know, somehow pass this off to somebody and let them really enjoy it because somebody else could get more from it. You, you ever have one of those tools? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I had a whole okay. auction full of those tools. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that Andy did is as part of this thing, he's kind of going around and he's kind of doing like a, if you want to call it like a, a give it forward. In fact, that's what he is calling it. It's a tool exchange, a give it forward tool exchange. And the neat thing is each person is, they don't have to do it. They're more than welcome to do it. And I did it last night is I have this little, this neat little block plan that works great, but I just never use it because I have my favorite block plane. So I went ahead and I signed it, put my initials on there and a little, well, I was gonna put a little note, but I ran out of space because it's kind of a smaller block plane. It's just a block plane. No, no poems, Matt. No haikus. <laughs> exactly. uh, be safe. <laughs> and so he's going to hand it off to the next person if, they, if they're interested in taking it or if they have something else they want to pass on. So that way, like, well, each person will be handing on to the next person something from their own shop. Kind of a, you know, again, a, a pay it forward kind of a thing or just a neat way to kind of connect all of us together within the woodworking community because it's it's shocking for us but it's kind of interesting to see that there are still people out there that don't realize you know kind of the the extent of the woodworking community online and this is kind of a neat way to kind of bring everybody together and introduce those who haven't really met those online yet so kind of a little and i now have a goal for the weekend since his last stop was muskegon his next stop is baltimore my goal for the weekend is get my picture taken with the vanderlust block plane Ooh! (laughs) good luck with that that's gonna be the goal (laughs) i i I heard that they ran out of gas and they had to hock it Nice. Anyways, though, enough of that good talk about the block plane. Mark, what's going on with you in the in there on the bench in the bench room or in the bathroom? Maybe I don't know. You got that whole shop space. Who knows what you're actually doing? In I have there an entire with wing the lines down. Yes, there's an entire wing dedicated to my workbench, and, and that's where I hang out <laughs> nice. most of the time. Um, well, you know, a couple was it last show? Maybe the show before that? We talked about cleaning up epoxy, and one of the suggestions that we gave was vinegar. And I said I had actually never tried it. I knew acetone worked. But if vinegar would work, it'd be great. You know, it's a lot less toxic and uh, 
well, it's not toxic and <laughs> just has a. It's a lot less toxic. That's why everybody uses it. <laughs> In other words, none. That's my sales point right there. It's got none toxicity. Uh, so yeah, so I tried some white vinegar and it works like a charm. It works great. And the only thing you really have left over is maybe a little bit of staining on the surface, but that's easy enough to scrape or, or sand away. And it's, you know, mostly water. So you're going to raise the grain a little bit, but it really does clean up uncured epoxy really well. So there's just no wow. reason to use uh, acetone anymore. So get yourself a little pint or a gallon of vinegar. And that's just another thing to have in the shop at all times. Now, what about the tip that we got offline about another alternative to vinegar? I don't remember what that was. Beer? You just said, you just said pee on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to be trying that anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, maybe. That's the picture I have in my head. <laughs> yeah. Mark's just standing over the bed, the footrail. <laughs> the, the client <laughs> won't mind if I just take a whiz on his project, right? <laughs> That's when you have to turn the webcam off. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. When you got to go, you got to go. Uh, I'm also cleaning up your epoxy, so. Well, one question about the vinegar. I can't remember. Maybe, I guess I'll have to go back and listen. But did we discuss whether it was white vinegar or apple vinegar or cider vinegar? Or <laughs> I don't think it really matters. But really, apple cider vinegar. vinegar would be nice. That would have a nice, pleasant smell. I don't know. Vinegar in any, any style. My wife has much of it in, up in the kitchen because we like to pretend she knows how to cook. Oh, I didn't say that out loud, did I? <laughs> oh, my. But yeah, all of it smells like vinegar. So <laughs> I love me some vinegar. You know what smells good is rice wine vinegar. Oh, yeah. And it tastes good, too. So that was that, and I thought that was good, you know, firsthand experience since we did recommend there's, there's it. Our, there's our new tip of the week. You have vinegar, great. If not, pee on it. There you go. <laughs> use your own urine. Pee on your projects. Um, what kind of picture can I use? Because that is the title of the show officially. Pee on your project. <laughs> pee on your project. Yeah. Uh, no, the other thing is working on the bed a little bit more. Um, I finally got. I don't know if you guys saw the the pictures of it at all, but um, the angle of the the headboard is a little bit tricky. It goes back at a, a, a 20 degree angle. So there's this long bevel cut uh, that you have to put on the two pieces and then join them together. And let me tell you what sucks. Clamping a headboard that's that big and that wide and trying <laughs> to close up a miter joint like that oh, sucks. Yeah. yeah I can see that. That's when you get the domino out. And <laughs> Oh, I did use the domino. I mean, it's and in cutting it, the bevel was actually pretty easy. I used the track saw 10 degrees on each one and a track saw leaves a pretty, you know, jointer, you know, sort of joint ready cut. So that's not too big of a deal. It's getting the clamping pressure across that joint. Yeah, that could be tricky. You know, so is that a little bit you, more than packing tape for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Packing tape just wouldn't cut it. Is that one of those things where I'll hear people, and I can't remember, I think you might have mentioned this a long time ago, using like a, a hot glue to hold like a clamp in place or a, a yeah. wedge where you could clamp it, you know, would yep. that be like enough to hold that in position? I'm just trying to think. I'm, that's that's, that's exactly, one of those that I can see somewhere right in the middle mm-hmm. where it's like you've got all that clamping pressure, but there's that one little spot that just isn't going to come together. Yeah, that's exactly what I had to do. I actually just used CA glue and okay. used two by fours. So you figure if you glue something like that with CA glue, you glue a, a two by four to Babinga, what's going to lose the battle when you have to separate those two. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit of cleanup afterwards, but uh, it, worked, it worked pretty well. It didn't close up quite as much as I wanted it to. And I sort of anticipated that. So I used epoxy okay. uh, knowing that it might not be the kind of, uh, per, you know, absolutely perfect joint that I would want. Um, right. So it wasn't too bad, but I did have to cut angled blocks at the the exact perfect angle and then glue them to the surface oh. and then uh, run the clamp across the two edges. 
Right. That, so, that's what I did with my the toolbox I just finished building because it was all 10 mm-hmm. degree angles all yeah. the way around. Yeah, I used hot glue in my instance and I just had a couple pieces of cypress that nice. just knock off with a mallet. And, I mean, it, the, the reason I like hot glue is because it's nice and soft and mm-hmm. CA glue is just so blooming hard and sharp. Yeah. And I like to baby my chisels, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, have either of you considered using hide glue? Because I hear if you just breathe on it, the heat from your breath, along just, with the yeah. moisture. You just rub up against it a little bit and it'll, it'll loosen <laughs> but, up. You know, the, the, the fact is, Mark, you bring up a good point, though. I mean, what's going to win the battle? Two by four or Bobinga? Mm-hmm. You know, and in my case, I was using Peruvian walnut and cypress, you know, right, and right. <laughs> you just whack it hard enough and. The wood's going to fail before the glue nine times out of ten, but you, know, you just plane it off or sand it off or whatever. Yeah, I just grabbed my my trusty little giant's hammer in the in the shop there and gave it a good whack, knocks it off, and uh, there really wasn't much cleanup. And CA glue doesn't really penetrate very deeply, so it was very easy to clean Nothing up. Nothing penetrates Bubinga. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. I was shooting it uh, with BBs the other day, and you couldn't even tell. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so that went okay, but I still, it's one of those things like I pulled it off, it's done, but I, I do kind of feel like I could have, I don't know, like, I feel like it should have been better, you know, like Like, at this point, you should have approached it differently or just the overall glue up. Like I, like when I did my dry glue up and uh, dry clamp and looked at the joint, it looked like it was closing up nice and tight. But then once the, you know how it is, once you add the glue, you get the clamps in place. And in this thing is, it's a queen size bed. So the only, you know, you're putting it at this weird angle. The bottom portion has these legs sticking out of it. So it's the most awkward thing to try to clamp together and even handle because it's all eight quarter uh, babinga. So it's super heavy. And it's and I really did think it through. I had a pretty good strategy. And like I said, it's not. I think the average person would look at it. Even the average woodworker would look at it and probably would not see the flaws that I see. So it's right. it's. I know when to draw the line and, and not worry about this stuff. And client wise, I am not worried about this at all. This is good work. I can stand behind it. But I always try to make things as close to perfect as possible. And it bugs me when they're not. So I and that's one of the things I really have to think about. What what could I have done better? to make that joint come together better. And I think part of the issue was using the circular saw, using the track saw to make that cut. Is Yeah, it's close to a, a joint ready, a glue ready cut, but it's not exactly the same thing as giving it a, a you know a quick pass with, uh, with a jointer plane or a quick pass over the jointer itself. With pieces that large, it's just not feasible at that size. So there really wasn't was any other way. How long was your bevel again? How long was it? Is this more it? of like a scarf joint type thing, like a really long, low angle bevel? It's basically the total tilt back of the headboard is 20 degrees. So each bevel was 10 degrees. And it's okay. along the entire width of the bed or the width of the headboard. So you're talking okay. about like 60, 63, 64 inches, something like that. Yikes. Yeah. And yeah, then, and that and like you're saying, like if you were to hit it with your hand plane or something, that is at that length, it's really easy, at least in my opinion and in my experience, to mess up something somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and that always seems to be the hardest part for me to try and clamp up. Everything on the ends always seems to go well. When I get to the middle, it's just like, what the heck were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, well, this is just ridiculous. Well, and one of the other options that I considered was because the headboard and the bottom piece is essentially a frame. I thought, okay, maybe I can actually do these bevels ahead of time and then glue the frame together. But the problem is the legs are on the outside of the frame. Uh, So the horizontal pieces are within those legs. So at the very ends, you've got end grain. So I'd have to match up an end grain bevel cut with a long grain bevel cut. And chances are, once that's glued up, I'd probably have to to buzz down that surface anyway. So (laughs) I I don't know that doing it ahead of time would have saved me any, any heartache there. 
Um, but again, I don't want to make it sound like it came out bad. It came out great. It just, right. it was just one of those fine nitpicky things that I, I feel like I could have done a little bit yeah. better. Yeah. So. Well, it's I think a the key is that you had that, the alignment guide there with that domino or yeah. dominoes. I don't know how many yeah. you used. Because oh, you these. imagine how hard would that have been if you didn't? Uh, you, know, you know what? That's slipping and sliding around. Well, that's a good question because part of the challenge here would be to say, if I didn't have a track saw and if I didn't have the domino, what would my approach have been? Um, and there's certainly, you know, I may have done something like used a, a long spline, you know, and just kind of cut a groove with with the the router and cut a little piece of spline stock and, and maybe done something like that. Uh, but the domino did make things incredibly easy, comparatively speaking, to what I might have had to do otherwise. <laughs> I used actually used the domino quite a bit on this project, so. So that was, uh, that's what was vexing me recently. But the good thing is the project is, is well underway. I'm working on some details with the rails right now. And I just, I really hope to get this thing done soon because I, I have this, that I told you guys about that book opportunity that I have, and I need to get moving on that, but I can't do it until this project is done. So what you're saying is you don't have a lot on your mind right now for 2013. Let me tell you, it's crazy. (laughs) It's just nuts. You know? Uh, but uh, I wouldn't have any any other way. I've got a, a beautiful son who's doing great, and I've got a lot of woodworking to do, so I can't complain. Sure, he says that now. And I'm saying this about my son because we're, we're having a particularly difficult time with his sleep right now. So you no. say, so that's what you do as a parent, right? You say good things <laughs> to mask the fact that you're miserable in one respect. So. Let me tell you, I, I did a lot of that uh, just this past week. And I'm like, my most amazing, <laughs> grateful daughter, who is just the most stupendous <laughs> thing in the whole entire world. Exactly. <laughs> oh, great. All right. So let's move on to the Around the Web segment. I've got a quick link here from uh, my good buddy. It's not really my good buddy. I met him once, though. Uh, Joel Duncan, he is a cartoonist, a drawy, drawer guy. He draws things. Yeah. He makes drawings. I love drawings. He drinks drawings. Uh, he sent me this link to a motorized wooden marionette. And uh, there's a little video showing how they work. And this is just one of those little, sometimes in woodworking, we see these little feats of engineering that are go, go way beyond just like the craft of woodworking and involve a, a level of engineering that I can never even wrap my head around. Uh, let alone actually making it come to life in wood. Oh my, look at that. Uh, so these are pretty cool. There's a, oh my, uh, there's a nice little video. <laughs> oh my word. My I'm done, word. guys. I'm just going to watch this for a while. <laughs> so yeah, I'll put the link in the show notes, but you should check that out. And thanks to uh, Joel for bringing my attention to it. Very cool. Well, I had threw one in there just today, actually, because I, I, I literally laughed out loud. And that's, that's saying something. LOL. Nice. Sorry. Kevin. Yeah, because I accidentally, <laughs> I accidentally went into the women's restroom instead of the men's. So laughing out loud while on the stall was kind of awkward. Is <laughs> <laughs> that, that too much information? It was, yeah. Maybe. Anyway, um, was that in the, the police report? <laughs> <laughs> the fine folks over at Benchcrafted—they're not sponsors anymore. So, just but, folks at Benchcrafted. Are you rubbing it in just to? Like- <laughs> yeah. They they just had a great tongue in cheek video. Um, about the the portable full size Safari ready Rubo split top Rubo, and it, it's like a, a faux sales video for the split top Rubo, and it's it's just funny because benches workbenches have become such you know everybody's talking about benches, and it, you think it's gonna go away, you know I'm sure Christopher Shores is still wondering since he wrote that book in 2005 when it's gonna go away, and it just doesn't seem every, to go away. Every check he cashes, he's like, I'm just wondering, when is this going to go away? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and and Joel over at um, 
uh, Scar- not Joel, that's Tools for Working Wood. Jamil at Benchcrafted mm-hmm. basically says, you know, every time somebody builds a bench, it's like they've uncovered or created something new. And it's like, come on, people, these have been around forever. So it's just a really, really funny video. And there's some really cool um, special effects, shall we say, in the uh, in the video. It's well worth a watch. It's only about two and a half minutes long. Well, that's so. what you always want, right? The company that makes some of the most expensive bench hardware on the market to make you feel bad for building your workbench. that's just quality marketing right there that's awesome we want you to know every time we mail one of these out we laugh at you you know my next video is going to be making fun of people who watch videos online it's going to be pretty good yeah Uh, that's pretty cool it looks good it looks really well done i have to watch that later yeah, they always have good videos. Yeah, cool. Yeah, they, they really do. Hey, I threw this one in. I just saw this before we were going on air. I stole this from Kerry Haltman, who I do believe is uh, pulling it up from a popular woodworking over at their blog. Uh, you guys remember the Sindelar Museum, the traveling museum with all those amazing mm-hmm. tools? Oh, yeah. Well, apparently uh, he is actually going to uh, sell off some of his tools. He's kind of calling the collection. And some people, there's a whole bunch of uh, rumors going around that, you know, oh, perhaps he's sick and there's all these other things. And when you actually read the article, more or less, it's just he's kind of doing what a lot of collectors do. You call off a certain amount so that you can raise the funds to purchase bigger and better ones. Sure. And also, I, I there's a part of the uh, the article, the little paragraph or two that they have up about it where I kind of laughed about this. It's like he kept like three or four of the axes and got rid of like nine or a hundred that were just sitting in storage anyways. <laughs> oh, no. So it's nice of, you know, that he is kind of taking these back out of his little storage area, putting them on the market. And I think they have a, a little, a little snippet in there about, you know, which uh, uh, auction these are going to be going up on. So if you happen to have been walking through the little traveling museum or you stop by his location, because I know he's done a couple of things before where he's invited people over. And I know Chris Schwartz has talked about it or has presented at the, at the museum itself or his little area. Um, and you've seen something that you want. There's a good chance maybe it might be up for sale. So uh, cool. get ready to buy that and giant totem size. Probably a good uh, chance I won't be able to afford it. Yeah, there is that too. But at the same time, do you really, really need to purchase an entire workshop? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, so uh, we we don't have a poll of the week this week from Tom, unfortunately. I guess he's taking a break from polls. Uh, But Matt never takes a break from finding his poll of the week. So who would that be this week? Well, don't tell my wife, but uh, it's the Wozniak family, specifically Amy Wozniak, because you were so nice to me in college when nobody else would be nice to me. Hey-oh! I mean, mean, nice in the nice way, not in the nice, (laughs) in the naughty way. (laughs) So the Wozniaks, Wozniaks, I'd like to thank you for being the spectacular family that you are. And for those of you (laughs) who are wondering, yes, Wozniak does mean wagon or cart in Polish. There you go. I was wondering that. that. Yeah, that was, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I bet you that's like a wagon person or something. Finally have an answer to the mystery. Yes. Okay, we have a voicemail here from Alex, and it's about uh, tool purchase. And we also have an email that goes along with it that kind of helps push us in, in the direction we need to go to answer his question. So I'll play the voicemail, and then we'll read the email. Shannon. Uh, Wouldn't it be nice if I actually played it from the beginning? No, no it's just Shannon for me. Never gets, yeah, <laughs> Shannon never gets any credit. Shannon, this is all you. Shannon, you can just answer the whole thing. Hey, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Uh, this is Alex from Illinois. I'm calling about uh, wanting to purchase a bandsaw. I don't know what exactly I need. Uh, I'm looking for something that uh, can do some resawing. I don't need the uh, top of the line. I was looking to uh, to get a Laguna for about 1500 bucks, but I need to uh, also buy a joiner that's better than my crappy uh, benchtop Delta. 
So um, I was kind of thinking maybe, you know, somewhere in that uh, $700, $800 range, uh, something that's uh, good enough to, uh, to carry me through for, for several years before I uh, upgrade again. Thanks a lot. Love the show. All right. And his email says, hey, guys, I just left the voicemail about needing a bandsaw and mentioned that I also needed a jointer. As I said, I'm currently or I currently have the Delta six inch benchtop model, which is a waste of money. I concur because I actually used to have that one. Uh, I'd like to get an eight inch if I can. However, the Grizzly is the only one within my reach. I can pick one up for about eight hundred and fifty dollars with shipping. So my question is, is the Grizzly good enough quality or should I opt for a higher quality six inch? So a lot of layers to the question, but we have basically a bandsaw and a jointer purchase, limited funds, and so we have, let's let's first talk about that bandsaw. Um, he was looking at a Laguna for $1,500, but now because of the jointer, needs to come down quite a bit in price uh, to something else. So do we have any suggestions for him in terms of the bandsaw? Because what do you say, like six six to $800 range? I I, I really... I, I really don't – I don't have a particular model or a brand just because don't really have to do that. But there's nothing wrong with it, just a basic 14-inch. So mm-hmm. if you could find something that's – I mean nothing – I don't know. I use a Steel City one and I'm, I'm more than happy with it. I can't remember what the price is because it's several years ago that I bought it. Um, but that that one's worked out perfectly fine for me. Uh, it's not really – I wouldn't say there's anything special frilly about it whatsoever. It's just a 14-inch bandsaw. It doesn't – do yeah. much else than well if cut. you also like uh pay attention to michael fortune's uh stuff on on bandsaws he you know is a big proponent of, of not needing a super high powered bandsaw that you can do resawing uh with the right yep. setup and the right blade on a 14 inch bandsaw so you may not necessarily right. need to go to something super big especially if you're really trying to get uh outfitted here fairly quickly uh so yeah because yeah. it's, it's, it's mean, way too I, easy I have to- to get overhyped by the uh, sorry, it's just way too easy to get overhyped by. You see all these bells and whistles, and you assume yeah. that those are what you have to have. Mm-hmm. When in fact, something just very basic, you know, is going to totally fit the bill. And even if you use it a lot, you may actually find that again, those bells and whistles they're nice to have, but chances are you probably don't really utilize them that much. Yeah, yeah. right, exactly. And you, frankly, if if you're talking power tool. And like less than a thousand dollars, in my opinion, Grizzly is the way to go. Um, you know, I've I've heard plenty of horror stories about quality of Grizzly, but personally, I haven't seen it yet. You know, um, I mean, I have a Grizzly bandsaw now. I used to own a Grizzly joiner. I had no problems with it. Um, I know many a professional cabinet maker who makes a heck of a lot more furniture than I will probably ever make in my lifetime who use Grizzly tools. You see them everywhere. Yeah. Um, certainly, you're you're not getting the everything you would get from maybe somebody like Powermatic. But we were actually just talking about this offline. Maybe it's just you're not getting customer service. I don't know. Um, you know, I've never really had an issue where I've needed to call Grizzly. Um, I have had issues with some of the other tool companies, and they've been really great and have shipped off replacement parts or whatever. But I mean, to me, that's the only game in town if you're trying to save money on a power tool. Yeah. And I don't think you're missing too much in in quality. Again, this is from somebody who has really only ever owned Grizzly. I, I haven't bought any kind of Powermatic, anything like that. So Yeah, I mean, but, from what I've heard just talking with people over the years, Grizzly, and I, I don't own any Grizzly myself, 
uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you are saving a few bucks and that has to come from somewhere. So what you right. get, you we, know, there's something is missing. Yeah. But. Well, what, what you get really is just a higher number of, I mean, every company has lemons, right? So at, at some point, a lemon is going to come off the line. Well, maybe with Grizzly, what you're getting is more often you have a, like a better chance of getting a lemon. And, and, you know, most people will go just fine toll after toll and never have a problem. Um, but maybe have you ever heard of an instance though where someone got a lemon and the company like just ignored them and didn't help them? You hear a lot of things on the internet. I don't, do oh, I believe? Okay, I guess that's true. I would just have to believe. <laughs> like, but if you truly got a lemon, yeah. and you call Grizzly, they would take care of it. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, you like know, if you have send you a replacement part or something. It, let's I mean, say one of the problems I remember a friend of mine had was with the Grizzly jointer. They just could not get the tables to stay aligned. They do all the work, you, you know how much of a pain in the butt it is to do that. Uh, they would do it over and over, and they just couldn't get it to stay, and they couldn't get any sort of help from from Grizzly. I don't know whether it's like, well, you know, it's a calibration issue. You need to do this. So I don't know what I don't know how they handled this. I don't want to speculate on that, uh, but that was one of the sources of frustration for for this particular person. So I don't know. Yeah. It could be my, my, you know, my maybe first draw. Uh, oh no! Uh, go ahead, Shannon. Uh, <laughs> to, to draw a, a metaphor, and maybe this is losing some of our audience, but there's a lot of technical people in our audience, but like web hosting, there are some hosts that just do everything for you, and yeah. then there are others where they require you to be a little bit more knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. They require you to do your own backups and things like that, and their customer service may not sound, may not seem as good, but they're also expecting their customer to be more capable of doing some things. Sure. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Um, I will know? make a specific it's- recommendation for him. Um, I used to own the jet 14 inch bandsaw. That was really good. It, it's, you know, it's not the best thing out there, but it was pretty powerful enough and uh, it really did anything I asked it to do. So, um, and that one comes in at about seven forty nine. He may also want to check out Rikon. Um, Rikon is getting That's a lot a good, of yeah. good, a lot of good reviews and a lot of good publicity online. I, I know a lot of people who are using their stuff and really enjoy it. Now, I, I don't know if he's going to find in his price range with, uh, with Rikon, uh, but that's certainly something to consider. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I will, I will say one thing about with, again, kind of going back to the Grizzly and the, uh, the six inch joiner. I had a Grizzly six inch joiner. I had no problem getting it, it set up. Um, it's the one I had is kind of, uh, it wasn't the low end. It wasn't the high end. We'll say it was very middle, middle of the road. Very happy with it. Uh, it just came down to the size for me, but uh, it, it totally worked. And every time I thought I'd dink something up, it turned out it was really super easy to fix. So I, I'm happy that way. I've heard a lot of people talk about uh, the uh, with the, the Grizzly, Grizzly Ultimate 14-inch bandsaw is another one that I've heard quite a bit about. That comes yeah, in at 525. Yeah, and then another one was the Polar Bear series. That one, I've heard a few other people talk about that one, that they were very happy with it. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, again, I have yeah, no experience with them. You know, with that, I'm looking at the Jet now, too. In that in that area, the Grizzlies are probably so similar to that Jet, and you could save a couple hundred bucks, you know? So, yeah. so it is hard to argue. Now, now to argue. Let's, let's be honest. I have the 14-inch and the Ultimate 14-inch whatever. Um, and I think I even got it for like, or something like when it first came out, they had some special deal. Um, to be honest, I've upgraded the guides. I put Carter guides on there. That was about eighty dollars, and I put a Craig fence on there, which I don't remember what that, I want to say that was a hundred something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've spent two to two hundred and fifty dollars in upgrades, and then of course I got a wood slicer a bandsaw blade from Highland Woodworking. But I mean, the thing just hums along. And to Matt's earlier point about not getting kind of 
taken in by some of the bells and whistles. I think with bandsaws, that's really the case because there's a lot of little bells and whistles and riser blocks yeah. and lights and blowers and different types of guides and things Stuff like that. Stuff you just and, do not you know, use. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, ultimately you're probably going to put an aftermarket something on it, but I mean, think about it. There's so many cool aftermarket toys made for everything from table saws to band saws that you're probably going to end up doing that anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you're going to save the money and I don't know, think of it as like getting a a kind of a a blank slate that works. You may need to do some tweaks to it later. Yeah. Uh, That's my, my grizzly 14 inch just hums along great. You know, it resaws. Uh, I've run 12 inch boards through there because I've got a riser block on it. It's slow. It's very slow. Right. Like handsaw slow. Well, <laughs> to it the works. point where I consider resawing by hand to burn some calories. But, you know, for six inch boards and, and, and narrower than that, it does a great job, you know, and I've yep. got it tuned up well that I don't get the barrel cut or anything like that. So I couldn't be happier with it. All right. And he also asked about the jointer. And I think we can very briefly sort of say that we all agree that we think it's better to, to go to an eight inch jointer if you can, if you need to hold out and uh, wait until you can save up a few more bucks. Um, if you're like us, I think all three of us have dealt with this in the past that we find that the boards that we get tend to be just a little over six inches and a little under eight inches for the most part. Uh, so that yep. eight inch jointer is really the sweet spot in the world of jointers. Right. Look and at, if, you, at this way. if you're if you're new to the show and you're catching up and you've heard me because, Mark, we used to go back and forth over six or eight inches all the time. <laughs> and I used to constantly say, no, there's nothing wrong with six inch. I, I have an eight inch now and I really wish I had just gone straight to it, even though I will make <laughs> the argument up and over and over again that, you know, well, you can just cut your pieces down to the narrow width that you're sure. going to have anyways and then joint it. Sure but can. now that I can just like shove these like, you know, eight inch boards straight through, I'm like, forget that. I'll cut them afterwards. Yeah. I mean, the key thing with with Alex's situation here. We have to think about where he's at. He's on tool purchase number two. And we know that we all kind of do this. We all buy something cheap. We just get started because we're not sure where we're going to go. and We can't necessarily justify spending a lot of money. And then you go to round two of tool purchases. You know, preferably, let's not have Alex do a round three. <laughs> you know, so right. he's yeah. all- exactly because my round two was going right to the eight inch. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I wish this had been round one. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> right. All right. Well, look at it this way. First and second, FAS grade lumber is six to eight inches wide. Mm-hmm. Um, and most lumber yards, I mean, you can still, you can buy common and things like that. But the majority of the lumber we buy at the decent lumber yards are FAS material. In order to qualify to meet that grade, it has to be six inches wide and eight feet long and 86% clear defects. So in order to do that, they give you an eight inch wide board. So there's more real estate there. So you can easily fit a six inch by eight foot long piece in there. And that's why, I mean, if you go to a a real lumber yard, in other words, not like a a Home Depot or a big box where they're selling S4S stuff, you're going to get a six to eight inch wide board. In fact, most of the time it's going to be seven to eight inches. That's just how how they grade it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you... 99.9% of the time you're going to end up having to saw it down (laughs) in order to fit on the six inch joiner. Yeah. that's no fun. Wasteful and time consuming. Uh, All right. Let's move on to email. Matt, you want to take that first one? Yeah. This first one comes from Jason Morris, who is saying, I have an inexpensive Robert Larson honing guide that I bought for sharpening chisels and plane irons. My new chisels have a blade that tapers and gets thicker the closer you get to the handle. Because of this, the chisels do not fit correctly in the beveled slots of the honing guide and almost always result in canting of the chisels, rendering it near impossible to sharpen. 
Jason's question is, is it time for me to take the plunge and upgrade to a Veritas MK2 honing guide, or is there something else that I can do with my current honing guide to make it work? Love the show. Avid uh, listener of the few months. Greatly help. Uh, appreciate it. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so Jason, uh, I have this one. Now, for those of you, we, in fact, the three of us kind of did this. What exactly is a Robert Larson honing guide? And if you do a quick search, basically it's the pinch style guide. They'll, they'll really – El Cheapo kind of style is not necessarily the, the Robert Larson one, but that's what we're going to relate this to. Um, I happen to be, I have both the MK2 and this uh, version of the honing guide. Um, I use the MK2 for the longest time. Love it. There are some things I still will only use on the MK2, but I find myself going back more to that pinch style one because it's just, it's really easy to just throw it in there, get it set up. I have an angle guide that I use to try it. Once I get it in, in place, I will then use this little angle block guide kind of a thingy where I bump it up and say, all right, if the blade touches this, it's 30 degrees, it's ready to go, or 35 degrees, whatever bevel I want. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've run into that same exact uh, uh, issue that Jason had, and I'm sure you guys have too, where it's kind of like, it feels like the because of the angles on those tapers that the blade is kind of eh, falling off. Oh, yeah. You ever run into that? Right. Yeah, and so I have a, I myself have just kind of taken the extra time to get it to sit in there. I've even gone so far as to take a little file and kind of run it up against uh, one of the inside edges to flatten that reference surface so that it will fit in there a little bit more snug when I tighten it. Um, I know, Shannon, you said that Lee Nielsen used to have a video where they were uh, talking about how to kind of uh, help take care of this if you're running into an issue also. Yep, I'm going to find it and we'll drop it in the show notes. Danette Polhowski okay. did a... A video on it was like four or five things that you do to that side clamping slash eclipse honing guys, the same guide we're talking about here. And right. um, I did it, and it basically eliminates all those things because um, most chisels are tapered like that, they get thicker as right. you closer you get to the bolster. That's just the fact of life. Um, I would worry about a chisel that isn't tapered because it would probably right. be kind of weak. So um, the way those guides are made, the original Eclipse side clamping guide that was made in the UK was much, much better. These are the cheapo knockoff ones made in China or wherever. And they're, yeah, they all have the same problem because they're all cast from the same mold. And Deneb goes through a process, a very simple process with a file to fix all that. Hmm. And, um, right. you know, yeah, because it's almost like the one of the inside faces, it's almost like it's rounded. And that seems to be like almost rounded on two planes, like forward and backwards and up and down. And it always seemed to catch like one of the, the bevels on my on my plane. So I would actually get it like almost snugged up. And then I would like almost kind of the, like a popping motion to get it to come flush with where I need it to be and then do the final tighten. And I got to that point where I, I I just grabbed a file and like just tried to flatten a a flat face on that that little rounded off spot, and well, it seemed to help out. Uh, not to be the guy that always wants to make people spend more money, but uh, right. the MK2 honing guide is pretty awesome. And there's yeah. a reason why I bought the MK2. <laughs> I mean, it is a pleasure to use. I mean, those the uh, the Larson version of the or the the Larson honing guide. Even if you can get it to, to clamp from the sides, you've got that, you're sort of balancing on that little tiny wheel. Uh, and it does get a little bit tippy sometimes, depending on the type of chisel or, or blade that you're you're actually sharpening. Um, the great thing about the, the Veritas model is that you've got that really wide wheel to, to balance off of. And yes, it's more expensive, but man, it is a beauty. Um, yeah, I, I love that is. thing. 
And on top of it, you can dial in exactly what degree, what angle you want on that because there's the angle I built right onto it. You just slide yep. it in position for what – and on top of it, you can also have back bevels if you get really crazy. So I'm sure <laughs> oh, yeah. somebody at some point is going to read all those great suggestions about back bevels and high angles and low angles and all this other stuff. Word. Well, Veritas is expecting you to do the same thing, and so they have those built in for you. And they have yeah. the cambering roller too if you yes. want to camber your blades. And yeah. the skew angle eight, one too. Oh, my goodness. All right. Okay, so we got another question here. This one is, um, well, crap. Oh, it's large and purple. That's why I didn't recognize it. Um, <laughs> all right, it's from Matt Gray. Uh, it's about finishing. He says, I replaced the top of a friend's nightstand with a new clear pine panel and applied two coats of General Finish's water-based stain in pecan color. Or is that pecan? I guess it depends on where you're from. It's pecan, it's pecan around here. It's pecan. Come on, guys. I started to apply the general finishes high performance uh, using a foam brush per can instructions and soon found it to be a streaky mess. After the first coat was cured, I could see that some spots looked like the finish was never even applied and others that have a very nice semi-gloss shine to them. What should I do? Now, he has three questions, and I guess we'll take these one by one because I will never remember all, all of the questions <laughs> as I go through. Uh, so go back to the first half of the second half of the third half uh, question. <laughs> yes, he says, uh, should I continue on with the general finishes high performance and just hope that it works out in the end? If so, can I use a different type of applicator? I have the workshop in a walkout basement and also have an Erlex HVLP, but I'm worried about spraying in a small space, not to mention our temps in Michigan right now are not conducive to spraying. Um, first and foremost, if you can spray water-based finishes, I always prefer that. I think the finish just lays down easier. It's a lot less tricky. Those finishes dry fairly quickly. So one thing I might suggest is if you can spray it and then take it in to cure in a place that's warmer um, so you don't actually keep it outside, that would be a good option. I think that could solve quite a few problems for him. But part of what what came, I don't know, because sometimes with a streaky finish, you need to sort of see it to know for sure exactly what it might be. But one thing that I've experienced with pine, maybe you guys can back me up if you've worked with pine before, is that sometimes it does absorb a finish in a very uneven way where the softer woods, um, you know, the different growth rings sort of pull that finish in at a very different rate. So in some areas, you've built a film already, but in other areas, it's really pulled it in. And it may give the appearance of a streaky finish when in fact, it's just a differential absorption of the finish in the grain. Yes, yep. I've, I've seen that without a doubt. Yeah, so if he's only on the first coat, then maybe that's actually what happened. Um, so another thing he might try is just use a brush. Get yourself a good um, uh, synthetic bristle brush, and you should have no problems laying down a good uh, coat of finish that way too. But even if you lay it down with a brush, uh, the weather is still going to be an issue, so you're going to need a place for that to dry. So mm -hmm. again, if you can use that Erlex and then get your, the, he's it's not really a very large piece. He could just bring that into a back room or something like that where there's heat. That would be great. Uh, number two, he says, should I switch to an oil-based wiping varnish that I have confidence in applying? I don't think switching right now is the way to go. Um, and number three, he asked, sand back just to the stain, apply bullseye seal coat, which is shellac, and then apply the general finishes on top of that with a brush. I don't think he needs to, I mean, if you're going to go to oil, sand it back. He mentioned sanding back to just the stain. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> that'll probably yeah. never happen. You'll have to go back uh, to bare wood. Um, and then if you want to go oil-based, then yeah, I would say go back to bare wood, hit it with the bullseye, and then go to your wiping varnish. I don't think you should sand and then go to shellac just to go back to the high performance again, which is the water-based stuff. Uh, you know, because who, who knows that there's a little bit of a variable there. Um, yeah. So, well, look at it this way: if he continues ahead with the high performance, 
and it doesn't get better, then you can sand. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. because your other two options include sanding, right? So a do over <laughs> go with number one, see if that works. And if it doesn't go to step two and sand. Yeah. And you know what? Even if you, if you're still hesitant about that HVLP, go ahead and apply another coat, see what happens. It might just be the differential uptake of the finish that's causing the problem. So give it another coat. All you're out is another coat of finish, not a whole lot of extra work. Um, yeah. and let us know what happens. Um, you know, I, I just want to say that one thing that really bothers me about this question is I know Matt and I'm really bothered by the fact that he lied and so that he's working on a friend's nightstand because Matt, you don't have friends, <laughs> no. right, buddy. I know that because we went to class together and you talked about that a lot. So. I, th- I thought that you might be upset by the fact that he has, uh, he signs his name in large purple fonts. There is that too, but that also goes to why he doesn't have friends. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll blame Matt. On, we can blame Matt for that, Matt. Sorry. There we go. All right, Shannon, you want to take this That's very- okay, because uh, this next question comes from a dentist, Dr. Daniel Gardner. Nice. Oh, my tooth. Yeah. He wants to know, every t-shirt I own now has glue on it. My wife is not impressed. What is your routine before going in the shop? Well- it usually involves stretching and a little calisthenics. <laughs> yes. Some, some calisthenics. light yoga. Seriously though. Um, well, I wear a shop apron now specifically for that reason, because mm-hmm. I had glue on a lot of shirts and my wife was not impressed either by the glue that kept showing up on shirts. However, you know, if you don't like the shop apron thing, once the glue gets on the shirt, that now is a shop shirt. And just wear that same shirt or several shirts back into the shop. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I have specific clothes that I kind of just wear into the shop and don't wear anywhere else because they are messed up and have chisel holes in them and specks of all kinds of different glue and stain and finish and all kinds of stuff. So Uh, for me, the problem is all of my shirts are shop shirts. And (laughs) I, the thing is any shirt is potentially going to wind up with something on it. Uh, so pretty much all of my shirts are sacrificial and I don't know. I, I do have a few, like typically the shirts that have woodworking stuff on them, like from a woodworking school or, you know, a wood whisperer shirt or a Matt's basement workshop or a Tom's workbench shirt. I consider all of those shop shirts. So if I'm going to do, if I know I'm going to get messy and I know there's going to be, you know, finish flying or glue flying all over the place, I'll grab one of those shirts uh, but the ones that say something stupid, which are like shirts that I wear every day, I do try to make an effort to not wear them on really messy days. Yeah, I, I do the same exact thing. In fact, I have a I, the other day I was going through a pile of T-shirts that were accidentally put into my regular T-shirt drawer. And Samantha's like, what are you doing? I just filled that. I'm like, I know you filled it, but these are the shop ones. These have to be downstairs because uh, you remember that last time we went out to the buffet and you said I got mashed potatoes on the front of me? That wasn't mashed potatoes. That was wood glue. <laughs> nice. So um, that that's why they're down there. And that also explains why whenever we go to a convention and somebody says, hey, this day will be such and such shop day. Sometimes I can't do that because I was gluing up and that shirt accidentally got folded in half and I can't get it undone. <laughs> nice. Basically, I wear Matt's Basement Workshop and Wood Whisperer t-shirts because I would be caught dead in public with those. Did it. Ha Click. You'll still funny. Oh, we accidentally <laughs> guys, lost guys, Shannon. where'd you go? <laughs> Sorry about that. We're going to move on. Uh, all right. So I Shannon for his years of service. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so we have a couple of iTunes reviews. We actually have more than a couple. It's been a while, and I guess people get like iPods and stuff for the holidays, so then they uh, find our show and go on to leave reviews. And we have too many to read right now, so we're just going to take the first six because we got that many, and it's just good to be loved, I guess. 
All right. Well, let me grab this first one here. It's uh, do Wood it. Mang, Mang 3 or Mange 3. I guess it'd be Mang. There's not an E. Anyways, yeah. Wood Mang 3. Always something interesting on the show. Perfect mix of antics and meaningful content. Woo-hoo! Very nice. From, let's see, who is this? Steelers 510. Boo. Steelers <laughs> says, boo. Informative. Awesome. He can't spell awesome either. Typical Steelers fan. And entertaining. <laughs> oh. <laughs> These three woodworkers provide a great provide great information every week and represent a nice cross section of the craft. Shannon is light lighting the way, okay? With his in-depth hand tool <laughs> that's, knowledge. That's what I always say, Shannon. <laughs> yeah. Sure. You do light the way. <laughs> See, Matt is the everyman home shop enthusiast, has us chortling throughout the show. The dulcet tones of Mark, the Wood Whisperer, a.k.a. Woodini. A.k.a. Wood Rockstar. Woodini. Keeps us up to date with the lastest happenings. Man, Steelers fans can't spell. The lastest happenings in the woodworking universe. They address a variety of interesting topics while the format provides for new content each week, which keeps me smiling during my commute home. Except now, after we read your review and have insulted your football team. Yeah, he's going to go back and change his review now, thanks to Shannon. Uh, okay, we've got a uh, Nate three three one. He says, "New woodworker, this is a great show for me personally to listen to as a new woodworker. I learned so much from these guys, and it's nice to hear that they've faced some of the challenges I'm having when they were new to woodworking, and we still faced it. Listen to my glue up issue from the beginning of the show. Uh, it still happens. It's also great to hear other woodworkers' questions answered before I might even have them. I don't have the I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I'd feel comfortable about asking them any question I might have about woodworking, except for what specific tool to buy. Oh, <laughs> uh, our reputation idea. Our reputation That's precedes awesome. us. Wow. Okay. Let's do the next one. Okay, we have uh, Derek from, I'm going to go ahead and say Georgia, because GA is the abbreviation for Georgia, I do believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Derek says, I've been following Mark, Matt, and Shannon on the respective sites for several years. I don't know why it took me so long to start listening to this podcast. It's extremely informative and entertaining, and I really look forward to the new episodes each week. I've been catching up on the older ones and listened to many on a recent road trip. This is the part that really got me, and this might explain why it's taking you so long to actually listen to the podcast. Uh, But he says, my wife is... My wife even started to enjoy them, and as a knitter, found many of the knitting jokes pretty funny. <laughs> Keep up the awesome work, guys. And I think that's the reason why, Derek, you didn't have a chance to get there because the knitting uh, bubble was actually in the way of allowing you to get to the most important content on the internet. There you go. All right. Well, I'm going to repeat a previous error and say I can't find this review you want me to read. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. I could, I could read it real quick. Uh, Keemum says, what do you get when you cross Norm, Tommy, and Roy with the Three Stooges? You get Wood Talk, an information-packed podcast that is a joy to listen to. It's a great podcast. Mark, Shannon, and Matt each bring a different perspective and experience to the show, covering pretty much everything woodworking, hobbyist and pro, power tools, hand tools, basement workshop, to Mark's Woodworker's Paradise, complete with back ro- bathroom and jacuzzi. <laughs> back room. Yeah, I do have back a room, uh, jacuzzi. My bathroom is in the back room. See, now that review was written by Scott Blanchett. I don't know who Kima is. Oh, you know what? I wonder if maybe he changed his name or something. Could be. So anyway, I'll read the one by RJ something. There you go. This is a terribly fantastic podcast. I started following these guys around six months ago and started at episode one. I'm so sorry. 
And today I am officially all caught up. It's terrible to think that I spent so much time listening to these guys just talk about wood, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I find myself in the garage just sitting there listening when I should be working. These guys have inspired a young guy like me to get involved in woodworking, and I love and hate them for it. I hope Mark, Matt, and Shannon never stop doing this. Aww. Awesome. That's that's great. Hey, thanks for all the five-star reviews. And uh, yes. for those who don't like listening to this, that's why we do it at the end of the show. So if you don't like it, you could just switch it off. But we like to give some love to the people who give love to us. Yeah. Uh, and speaking it's of love. more than we can read. Yeah, I would love true. to get like a three or four-star review that says, I give it a five, but I'm sick and tired of listening to all the five-star <laughs> reviews at the end of the show. Yeah, and we would never read that one. Um, <laughs> all right. So, hey, speaking of love, just a quick reminder. Today's show is supported by Arbor Tech. Check them out at arbortech.com.au. And also Microjig, and you can visit them at microjig.com. So, Matt, you want to give them the contact info, and we will get out of here. All right. Well, let's do this really quick. Voicemail, you can either do it by Skype. Look for us. We're Wood Talk Online. You can call our, our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Visit us over at Facebook. Uh, our, we have a Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the download for today, the show notes uh, for any of the episodes, especially today's because there's some great information in here, you can find it over at woodtalkshow.com. And that is where you can also leave a great comment, and we will probably make fun of you. There's a good chance of it, more than likely. Most likely, yes. yes. Probably, yeah. All right. So, hey, it's uh, going to be a great 2013. We're glad to have you listening to us again, and hopefully you will tune back in for some awesome woodworking and some sometimes not so awesome banter between the three of us because <laughs> you just never know where we're going to go. Uh, but, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. We look forward to doing a whole new year with you. It's Merry right, New sure Year. Merry, Merry Happy New Year and all that. Yeah. Um, happy New Year. <laughs> I like Matt's. Yeah. about this and other shows visit frogpants.com audio program so good it's like you're there